But I hate when I feel like this And I never hated you Neurotica is a weekly podcast going to the deepest, darkest parts of the mind and bringing them to light. Topics range on mental illness, behavior, and perception and more. Please be warned, many episodes contain trigger warnings. If you ever have thoughts of suicide, please call the suicide hotline at 1-800-273-8255. Hey everybody, welcome to Neurotica. My name is Cody Ryan, here with my co-host as always, uh, Bobby Shoulder. Uh, Bobby, how you doing today? Uh, Today I'm not doing that great, Cody. No, me either. And we we had a couple false starts on the episode despite our major computer upgrades. Um, They're great upgrades. We've made computer upgrades? Yeah, I just showed you the computer upgrades. You want to see them again? Ah. I see. <laughs> I didn't you, realize those were the computer upgrades. Do you want to sh- tell everybody the computer upgrades? Yeah. So, Cody, <laughs> uh, as you may know... No, don't I, don't even give them... No, I'm kidding. Cody, uh, along with our friend Erica, designed a couple shirts um, that are available on TeePublic. And when you sell over a certain amount of shirts, they uh, the website sends you a sticker with the logo that's on the shirt. So the Matisse Thigh Bully shirts uh, from a couple weeks ago that we talked about. Yeah, which may or may not have reached Mike Scott. Um, He gave us a fake address on accident and then gave us a real address and did not ever tell us if he got it or not. Um, And the other shirt, we didn't sell enough of it. It's just once you hit a certain level. So we didn't even develop enough shirts to get four stickers. What we got was three stickers and then a sticker that just says Artisan on it, which... Why would I ever put that on anything just, other than to be a dick? Like just the bottom text. Yeah, it's it's very much the um my child is the honor student at a school of shirt design, um getting a sticker from T Public as they take most of the profit for my ideas. Um, Erica's beautiful designing actually deserves way more of the profit, but you get the point of what I was trying to say there. Uh, but speaking of. And uh, kind of leads into the conversation of the week. Um, you know, we had a great episode last week. We were super excited to have our friend Max on Twitter. He used to run the Sixers account. Um, highly suggest you listen to that. We knew we were a little behind schedule on getting him on. Um, so some of you might have missed it. But there was a moment even during the episode that I wasn't really proud of. And it wasn't the kind of thing that you would think of. It was actually me rambling, which is kind of a common occurrence on neurotica wouldn't you say like it's kind of it's a podcast it's kind of what you are supposed to do on podcasts. yeah and the podcast is called neurotica which kind of plays into the neurotic part but it's been a common occurrence for me lately that i've been talking loud fast and a lot and it's because he's addicted to cocaine yeah um it might be caffeine a little bit because i do now drink a red bull and pepsi a day despite trying to pull out that out of my life um, and you'd think after a hemorrhoid, you might try. But no, um, basically, I was talking to Bobby, and we've talked a lot about politics and sports lately. And I said, you know, I, I, I kind of want to get away from some of those things. But then I realized some of those things are why I'm acting the way I am. And then I talked to Bobby, and Bobby's not feeling too good either. So, Bobby, why don't you recollect what happened last night that made you feel not great? Yeah, so... Last night was the night of the Iowa caucus uh, for the Democratic Democratic Party. Uh, it was also the night following Super Bowl 
54? It was 54, yeah. Is that what? And I also, do you think that they put Super Bowl LIV in Miami because they have Club Live? Uh, I would guess not. I would guess they put it in Miami because they finally realized nobody wants to go to fucking uh, East Rutherford, New Jersey to or watch Minnesota. Yeah, that could be true. Minnesota was particularly bad weather, but at least they have the nice dome. Like, East Rutherford is wide open, and Philadelphia keeps trying to get that Super Bowl. Do not bring the Super Bowl to Philadelphia. You will have a Fuck horrible no. time here. Also, more importantly, I will have a horrible time yeah. if you do that, and it'll fuck me over. Bring so. the All-Star game here. That sounds dope. Do not... The Pro Bowl, I don't even want. Yeah. You can keep that shit, too. Bring all the All-Star games, but... Sorry, we got off track there because we're just advocators. Yeah, so main main part of that story was they put the Super Bowl in Miami because of a famous nightclub. But the, Six, the Sixers <laughs> were in Miami playing the Heat, so they were in Miami partying all weekend uh, during the Super Bowl. So we all expected them to come out flat and lose against a team that is deeper and seemingly better motivated uh, to win than they are. See, that's not fair of you to say, Bobby, because you said everybody, and I am a much uh, different opinion of yours, that um, I'm too sad to watch the team lately, so I don't have any opinion or um, input, which makes me sound like a bad fan, but it's because I care literally too much. Yes. Well, <laughs> so I, I and a lot of other people, I won't say everyone, uh, we're expecting the Sixers to come out flat and lose and have it be really annoying. And that is exactly what happened. Uh, even worse than I thought it would be. They lost by 30 points. Um, the team, from what people told me who actually watched it, looked listless and not like a competent professional basketball team, let alone a team of contenders. But I, in my infinite wisdom, said, I'm not going to watch it. There's more important things going on tonight. Uh, because we have to watch Bernie Sanders wins the first primary and kick off his, you know, road to taking over the Democratic Party and saving America, basically. Yeah, and the, and the great news is that um, I was watching CNN high as hell, medical marijuana um, parody, do not screenshot. Um, it's fine that I take those drugs. I live in Pennsylvania. My ID number is, uh, kidding. But no, I, I literally was like, yeah, this is going to be a nerve-wracking night, so I am already have anxiety. I have to say again, tons of people smoke weed. You don't... I know. It's, that's <laughs> the have, funniest part about it. You don't it. have to give It's like I have the most excuses for it, and I'm still just like, I'm sorry to everybody who... And it's like, literally, I'm trying to vote for a candidate. It's going to make it legal, like, day one. And I'm like, I'm so sorry, everybody. Like... Um, no, I literally don't care. Smoke. If you're around me, I literally offer it to you, uh, legally cops parody because we're also in California right now. Parody, 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 parody. Um, but no, it, it's just a thing for me. I was like, all right, it's a nerve wracking night. I'm not on Twitter anymore. I can kind of get the updates from my friends, but I, I kind of want to be live in it too. So I bit the bullet and turned on CNN. And what I was really realizing very early on was CNN knew. CNN knew Bernie was going to kill it. And uh, I was watching a lot of the caucus-like check-ins, and Bernie won most of the precincts, and then it would be, like, after second alignment, it, it, it started getting a little murkier when they were showing shit. Like, like the realignment was funny because it was like people trying to argue with each other like no defect over here and there was like this one biden frat bro that was trying to get people to just go to undecided so biden can maybe get one delegate like 
But we saw videos of coin flips and shit that didn't look right. Like it's insane it's that a they disaster. It's insane that they do this thing where you have to go stand in a gym for like six hours and yell at people to come stand with you, like physically stand with you and like oh, yeah. move around. Just do a ranked choice ballot. Yeah. It's the exact same thing except five hundred percent less stupid. Yeah. But before we even get there, and there was even a, a correspondent who, like, was kind of on your side. It was like, I've been at caucuses before, and it's awkward when it's your coworkers and your neighbors and your family and friends. And you have to tell them, this is where I stand. And then, okay, now I'm going to stand over there. Like, this, it's, is, this is where I literally stand. <laughs> yeah, and then it's like, well, you have to pick a second choice. Ah, my neighbor's over there. I guess I'll go hang out with him. Like... You know, it, it's weird. I don't, I'm not saying that even to defend whatever the results will be. I am confident that Bernie will win the popular vote and that Pete will probably win the most delegates. Like, And I'm less concerned about that than other people. What we're very concerned about is that um, CNN, uh, and I started to agree, and that's not a good thing uh, these days because early in the night, CNN kind of was tipping their hand that they were concerned that... Uh, Bernie Sanders would win this, and they kept, like, doing these entrance polls where they would tell you some, like, really, like, half information. And there was a funny moment where, like, they showed 65 and plus, like, everybody was going to vote for Biden at, like, 31%. But then they tried to show, like, the people that were, like, considered themselves very liberal, and it was, uh, Bernie was 43, and it went on the screen and off the screen right away. And then, then the guy said it was 41, and they, like... He was the guy doing the numbers all night, so it's, like, kind of hard to even believe that he got the number wrong. And it, But they were just, like, signaling things. But then the tone changed. Like, it, it was literally a call against caucuses and stuff. And it was, like, oh, this app crashed. And then there's all this, like, weird shit where, like, Klobuchar does this PR move where she's the first one to come out and thank her, like her volunteers. and But she's already saying, you know, like, oh, I've, I've done... We were punched above our weight. We know something. And Bernie's like, yeah, we're self-reporting. And Liz, is, Liz apparently has her own app. And Pete's basically declaring himself the winner already. What's the one problem with everything I just said, Bobby? Uh, the main problem was that the app that the Democratic Party was using this year for the first time to uh, report results from the caucus sites went down and didn't work. And when... Pete was delivering his or tweeting out his like little victory speech and Klobuchar was coming out and saying, you know, we punched above our weight, which punching people is something that she knows a thing or two about, Um, except she usually, you know, just punches (laughs) her own staffers and not doesn't punch up at all. No. Um, So this was all happening with zero percent reporting and basically everything, basically all the information that we had was anecdotal. Yeah. And there was... There was anecdotal stuff of every candidate is individually tracking. Like, they want to know. Why wouldn't they? And I I don't see any reason why that would be a problem, but there's been these things of, like, Bernie gets called to a meeting because he had an individual tracking app. But I'm like, I know Liz did, too, and Pete must know something, and Klobuchar must know something, unless... You told them something before you told us because I was checking a website last night and 34 precincts out of 1,700 were reporting um, and they had first and second alignment Bernie winning. Um, By margins, I kind of expected nothing too huge after only 34. 
I checked this morning, 34 were there for first alignment, 33 for second alignment. Now, this is not official government website. Now, again, we said we want to get away from politics and we want to get away from sports on the show. But everything we just said leads exactly what in the topic of this show is. The constant speaking fast and saying a lot that I've been doing, the constant me and Bobby being upset at the Sixers, whether they were partying or potentially trading for a rapist like Derrick Rose, which I will say on the record, regardless of what people tell me the court said, um, because he could not define consent. And then also the Iowa caucus, where we don't get a say because we don't vote in the caucus, but also it's a weird process. They lose the vote, sort of. Everybody has the transparency, though, to show that they can show the votes. Their discrepancies seem to be between Bernie and their own official results, but they have the paper trail. And today they release 60% of the results. And 62%. Ber- 62%. Bernie does win the popular as expected, but Pete currently in the lead with delegates. So we were told we're going to get the remaining 100%, or, you know, 38 to 100% next week. So overnight they were able to get 62%. Next week, we'll get the full winners. Um, anybody else feel like they want to yell at something? How can you feel as though you have any power when things like this happen? Like, there's, I forget who the quote is, but there's a, a famous quote that says, never, attribu- uh, m- never attribute to malice what could be better explained by stupidity. And I guess that could be true, like not always, but yeah. And we're all re- regardless of whether it's malice or stupidity, like it just makes you feel like you fucking don't matter. Like the yeah. the people that pull the levers are doing everything that they can to shut you out. And even today, um, some of our friends were talking about. I I had signed up last week to send texts for Bernie. A couple of our other friends have done the same. I'm now thinking about uh, making calls or canvassing in Pennsylvania. And I said, I don't know if the reason that I'm doing this is to make myself feel better. Um, because I, I know that my own individual contribution isn't going to make that much of a difference. Like, Maybe else. Maybe I personally can swing like five or six people. Yeah. Like realistically, but, but then I realized halfway through saying that that like that is exactly how the establishment, the Democratic establishment, the Republican establishment, um, the elites, the people that hold capital and hold all the power. That's exactly how they want me and you. And everyone to feel. Yeah. They want you to feel like this thing that I'm doing is not going to make a difference. So why bother doing it? And the movement that we're trying to be a part of is about saying, as Bernie says, not me, us. It's not about my individual contribution. It's about how I function as a cell and a cog within a, a larger body, a larger machine that all together comes together and does make a difference. Yeah, and we want to make the point to say this episode is not a 
Bernie episode. This isn't an endorsement episode. This is uh, basically an episode to say there's some things going on with Cody. There's some things going on with Bobby. The real answer is we don't feel listened to. And the weird thing is we run a podcast called Neurotica. And it's not because we don't give a lot of plays. I mean, we talk. I mean, Bobby has over a thousand followers on Twitter. I had over 600 before I left. We had some level of influence. Maybe it's not, you know, it's not a billion, but, you know, that's more than five or six that we say we might influence if we go door to door. I mean, obviously, it's a little harder to go door to door than Twitter to Twitter. But I have things even in my own life where, like, I feel like my voice isn't heard and it just runs so deeply in the system that it hurts because you really think about it. When you get told you don't like something, like a law, what do they tell you to do? Well, call your representatives or vote for new ones. But, like, let's talk about some of the things that exist in this country that I do not have direct control over. So, I vote on the president, right? Right. I vote on the representatives and the senators of my state. So that's how I represent myself, you know, via my location, which is kind of odd that we even break it up by location because I went from Delaware to Pennsylvania, where I'm already told that I was a blue state. Now I'm a swing state. So now my vote matters more and I need to show up, which is weird because in Delaware, I literally skipped vote like I didn't want to vote ever I didn't see the point I saw politics as a joke I saw it as uh as South Park put it not that I'm you know even watching South Park much these days but I still think it's the best way to put it turd sandwich and a giant douche like that's what I always thought it was gonna be I was excited for um Obama I didn't vote for him I was eligible and just did not care like literally wasn't enough now I don't like Obama I don't like Hillary that's the one person I did vote for because I thought I had to defeat Trump but then I really 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 started thinking about some of the things I don't get to vote on I get to vote on the president but like I just said it's actually not me who votes on the president it's the you know the electoral college so me being in a specific state is actually strategic. You know, I vote on, yeah, I don't vote on the vice president like we used to. So I don't vote on the man who controls the Senate. I don't get to vote on the nine Supreme Court justices that get lifetime appointments to make the most important decisions of our country that get appointed by a president that I might not have elected which just goes back to the Electoral College where Hillary Clinton was the popular vote. Most of the people wanted Hillary. That's what their voice said. Well, and then <laughs> Most uh, of the people yeah, now being I'm, about one quarter of the people. Yeah, but I mean... Half of the people don't vote and a yeah, quarter, but, quarter voted for Hillary and a ton of them probably held their nose while doing so. Like, But I like, still, quarter of the nation said, I wanted Hillary. About a quarter of the nation still said, I wanted Trump. I mean, it wasn't that far off, but just the way the electoral map was drawn, some people's votes mattered more. And then Trump gets to appoint Supreme Court justices. And then Obama did. And, you know, Bernie or whoever wins, and I'm just saying Bernie because I hope and uh, trying to speak in existence, likely will, you know, 
God forbid somebody dies, but maybe somebody retires, we'll appoint a Supreme Court justice. But uh, I hope some of them die. Yeah, I'm not going to say that on the record. Parody don't screenshot, but they can all die. Um, get get a new fresh one in once uh, Trump's out. Uh, but the whole point is nine people for their entire life get to decide on the things that are most important to our country. And as much say as you get is that somebody says, well, you could have voted on your representatives that would have been on that committee to question them. Um, I don't know if you saw the Kavanaugh trials. He got a pretty, uh, thorough investigation. And all I saw at the end was he won the Supreme court and, a bunch of people call his accuser a bitch. Um, so, or a stupid liar who yeah. forgot the guy that raped her. Or, I mean, and that even in itself is unusual for it to be a controversy about who gets on. Like usually the the president just nominates someone and they confirm. Yeah, and it's just so bizarre because we're all watching and we're hoping. Just the same way as I watch a Sixers game and I'm watching an election or a trade deadline and I'm like, where's, where's my voice? What, why am I so worked up about this thing? And then you realize like, by the time it might even get to my state, we might have already decided who is the, you know, candidate, or we might get to a contested uh, primary where everybody majority wise said they wanted bernie but super delegates don't know what that means really or why they exist they don't have to vote as they want they can vote what they think is best for the country one person from a state that i don't vote in that's only if bernie doesn't have a majority of the delegates going into yes it's it's a a scenario but let's say bernie is clearly like leading but doesn't have the majority of delegates there is a scenario in this world, like we already saw a popular vote electoral college. There's a scenario in this world where Bernie Sanders goes into the DNC committee leading and is not the candidate. Yeah, that's... And it's a very strong possibility. I mean, that's Michael Bloomberg's entire deal. Yeah, so... And then we talk about... Well, me and Bobby talked today. Well, what gets you the influence to have a voice? You know, you either have to become celebrity of some sort money definitely helps i mean bloomberg just bought himself the right to talk and maybe be president yeah i mean that's i i don't think anybody even on a bloomberg side would disagree with that i mean he's pretty transparent about what he did well there was a long and very stupid argument on cnn yesterday about whether or not michael bloomberg is an oligarch spurred by nina turner who is on bernie sanders staff and there's tons of people who are Exactly the kinds of people that we always make fun of, like the person yeah. that makes $50,000 a year and is clutching their pearls over a wealth tax or something. Yeah, or saying like, I'm not going to support your family of four because you don't want to work. And you're like, are you supporting your family of four on what you make? Can we get your pay higher? Like, you know, we're trying to help you too. Yeah, we're like, just trying to give you Medicare, you <laughs> fucking moron. Yeah, but you don't want to say that. But because... tons of media types are saying, uh, no, it's way out of line to call him an oligarch. And it's like, well, he's... Has $60 billion and he's going to use like probably a billion of it to buy his way onto the ballot. He's not even competing in the early states. He's only competing for Super Tuesday and it's he's blanketing the air with ads. And it seems pretty clear that 
all that he's trying to do is fracture the amount of delegates that everyone gets so that he can take over at a brokered convention. Yeah. Like, he's he's literally buying influence in a way that could not be more literal, and people are still willing to defend him because... Why? I I, I mean, he was very transparent. (laughs) He was skipping the first round, and we were told the whole way I was the most important. But then the results don't come in when you expect. The app, you know, drops... I don't and think we were told I was the most important. But, but there, it does there have are a... people who were like feel that you know they're like Iowa matters. You know Iowa sets the tone. There was people in yes, CNN that like, is... Iowa sets the tone. Yes, that is. And you know what the tone that was set was? Oh, caucuses are bullshit. Like we need to get rid of this. But it was also Mayor Pete won. Oh, this app sucks, but it's Bernie's fault because he called for an app. Then we saw connections of how Mayor Pete has a lot of conflicts of interest with this app. But then we saw literally Occam's Razor of, oh, wait, they literally were so stupid they bought the free version. Like, that, or at least that's the explanation. But I don't know because everybody, I mean, even the CNN analysts were getting angry and saying, why would anybody now trust these results? They were saying it. So don't. Don't take me as a conspiracy theorist. Go back to CNN and I know I said it's all conspiracy that wrong. Conspiracy theorist. Conspiracy theorist. I, th- I actually like that better. I feel like we can turn that into a Disney Channel original movie. That's a t-shirt once we get uh, <laughs> yeah. 700,000 more listeners. Yeah. But it just, we talked, you know, what, what gets you the voice? You know, is it the listeners that we could get, you know... Is it the money we could get because then we can buy our way onto a debate stage? Is it be louder? Is it be angrier? Is it be funnier? Is it be these things? And I'm just looking upwards and I'm looking and I'm saying, my voice can't carry that far. And there was a lot of moments where I was like, I need to be the voice. And I let go of that idea very recently that's the hero complex that we've talked about still martyrdom complex to me which to be fair psych even said um i was like jesus but not in a good way um i feel like he was both well i don't like the bible it's hearsay and by people who wrote it two millennia ago so i can call that fake news mayor pete had his claws in the bible writers too <sighs> we'll, we'll talk more shit on Mayor Pete in a second. I fucking hate that guy. And that's, I, I think that's another thing. It's like, that's where I get labeled Bernie bro too. Where, that's where I also don't feel listened to. Because, fucking A. I, I've been through it. I, I had Medicaid. I'm not lying. Don't, my life is so fucking weird. If they ever make a movie on it, you're going to go, this is Forrest Gump too. Because they're going to be like, there's no way some dipshit gotten into these many things but they're like why did they make this a dark comedy um do you think they'd name a movie about you forrest gump too absolutely because they would just be like cody ryan one no i I don't know why i mean that's what they're doing now these days i saw that star wars movie rogue one i can't wait for rogue two there's an agent cody banks so cody ryan's not that different from it yeah but they made it agent cody banks two, so they had to retroactively make that agent cody banks one that's how that works playstation one is a thing Okay. Anywho. Yeah, no, I'm with you. What was I talking about? <laughs> um, how you were on Medicaid and yeah. you're not a Bernie bro. Well, maybe I am a Bernie bro. Maybe that's maybe that's a label I need to accept, but that's a label. 
Um, and that's a broad brush. And I was on Medicaid. I was on food stamps. But I also worked at J.P. Morgan Chase right out of college. I, I worked my ass off. And I remember my heartbreak when Jamie Dimon was diagnosed with throat cancer. That's like, so lame, really? I know. But I, <laughs> you were sad about that? Well, because they <laughs> took us all in the cafeteria and did a press conference. It was like, you're either going to be sad or you're going to look like you didn't give a shit that the, the CEO was maybe dying. That would have been my strategy, probably. Well, now, <laughs> but I wasn't radicalized at the Why time. Are you, me? you know, I was still voting for Hillary and everything's kind of fine world rosy glasses and even though I went through the system and was always an advocate for more socials but I was just shamed by it I didn't want to admit and I wanted to be the kid at JP Morgan who was just there because he was smart I didn't want to be there because you know I was some kind of success story or special I didn't mention those things unless I felt like it was some kind of you know interview tactic to my character but like I wanted to move up based on my own, um, you know, Man. qualifications. And there was a post I made recently. I don't, don't work there anymore, but I'm ashamed of my salary because I make a lot more than a lot of my friends. And I know that and I, I want to do things for them. And I started thinking, why am I the one who has to do everything? Why is it that I get into a booth sometimes and I can pick some things but most of the things I can't and then when I say well here's how I really want things to be and a bunch of other people say here's how I want things to be somebody else sometimes says well I know better and I, I mean we watched even our own potential candidate Biden somebody I I lived in Delaware my entire life that was a man who knew the Delaware way to its peak. And I'm telling you honestly, the Hocassin Parade, you can look it up. You'll find pictures of him there shaking hands. He was there every year until he's a VP. And it got to be a risk, obviously, with Social Security. Because every Delaware candidate was in the Hocassin Parade. It was a thing. And they all shook hands. And you know what? Joe Biden was one of the nicest people. He's been an idiot forever. But he, we all knew that. But he was one of the nicest people. And if he ran into a Republican, he would still shake his hand and say, hey, I hope, you know, I change your mind. What the hell happens now when Joe Biden runs into a, a candidate? I don't know. Probably like the same thing. No. Or I mean, a potential voter. Oh, oh, now he pokes him in the chest and challenges him to push up contests. And Yeah, I actually found um, an article of five different incidents of him telling people don't vote for me. And it didn't include him uh, challenging a man to a push-up and running contest because he thought he watched too much TV. And Biden also scrubbed from the internet the video. And I'm not kidding. There was a pretty significant tweet. This is the one that everybody probably thought I was talking about from the onset where a man comes up talking about pipelines and he says, don't vote for me. And he says, don't don't vote for me. I'm, I'm not your guy then. Which, <laughs> not a great candidate strategy. And, you know, he goes, you know what? Vote for Bernie. See how that works for you. And what does the guy say? Actually, I'm voting for Tom Steyer. You can't find that video anymore. You can find the transcript. You can find the, the tweet embedded in articles. You can't find that tweet anymore. But that's a video. It's not doctored. It's not The person who posted it is actually like a verified account. They must have been 
threatened with something. I don't know. Like, again, don't want to put him in a tinfoil hat, but, like, again, like, why is Biden afraid of a video out there of him talking to a candidate or a potential voter? And why is it, if that one was just a fluke and, hey, man, like, you can't have that one up. Why are there four to five more videos? Like, goddamn, man. Like, even last night, he sounded so defeated, and then he just, like, kind of forgot where he was, and then he was like, but we're gonna win it. And I was like, win what? You know where you are, dude. Like, and Biden's not the guy we're worried about anymore, I don't think. But we were told he's he's done it. He's the guy, because... He's the guy, because, honestly, like, you know um, how, like, ten years ago... Oh, fuck. Probably, like, fifteen years ago... Uh, was when people started getting really mad about like Paris Hilton and Kim Kardashian and like being people who are famous for being famous. Yeah. Like Joe Biden is the like political candidate version of that. Like he's the front runner because he's the front runner. Like he's yeah. the most electable because he's the most electable. Like that's literally if you try to like get out one more step of an actual reason, there isn't one. There was only like one thing on cnn that i was like man i wish i could tweet this last night that i was like cnn got it right you ask anybody who's voting for their candidate now in iowa the caucuses they have to make some decisions like, okay maybe my candidate isn't electable um most people who pick a candidate don't think their candidate's not electable so to try to sway people on that is already disingenuous because i didn't realize that we were just voting to you know i know a lot of people are voting to just beat trump but i didn't realize we were just voting because that person has the five tools i didn't know we were just voting in billy beans of the hall of fame because he had the five tools anybody's run read moneyball or seen the movie um or just needs a fucking like uh what do they call it scrib notes or whatever for college students you know if you don't want to read the book you just go to that one website spark notes, spark notes. you want the spark notes version of that billy bean fucking sucked at baseball he had every athletic tool. He looked exactly like the best player ever. You know who they were comparing him to? And they were like, yeah, I don't think that kid's got it the same way that Billy Bean's got. Daryl Strawberry. Yeah, well, the really interesting thing, and this is a little bit of a tangent for me, but the really interesting thing about Moneyball is exactly what Cody said, how Billy Bean was like this... Um, baseball adonis like he's kind of like an andrew wiggins like he had every physical tool and just couldn't put it together and then what made him successful as a gm was looking at himself and being like okay i need to not get guys like me yeah i need to get guys that like have everything that i don't and nothing that i do have which makes it great when you see someone like michael jordan (laughs) who's just like literally that might be the best basketball player ever he's incompetent at literally everything else he's ever done well yeah because he succeeded and billy bean failed and so billy (laughs) Bean realized that like those things don't make you a good baseball player but that's the thing that really is funny to me though is like you're you talk about michael jordan he's a great basketball player talk about Um, elton brand great basketball player (laughs) i don't (laughs) want to talk about Elton Brand. really bad talent evaluator hey man look the jury's still out on how mad I'm going to be. Um, so I don't know anymore of anything. Um, but I do... We were talking wanna, about electability. We are talking about electability. And right now, I think we're going to transition to something a little bit heavier. So I'm going to put a very strong trigger warning right now. If you cannot handle the trigger warning I'm going to be talking about, 
We are going to be talking a little bit about Kobe Bryant and his past, and I swear it's going to make point, but it's, I know some people are mourning. We really want to respect you guys that you're mourning, so we don't want to hurt anybody there. We don't want to trigger anybody who's had experiences with potentially rape or anti-LGBTQ um, uh, um, sentiment because that is what we will be talking about in the next about 10 minutes. So I would say skip ahead in 10 minutes. And if it still sounds like you hear Pete or Kobe, just keep skipping. Um, but this is why I have to say what I have to say. Um, recently, uh, Kobe Bryant died and Bobby can tell you that as soon as I knew I called him and I started crying and the basketball community lost a big thing. And that's why it was upsetting as a basketball fan. Because it was like, just last night, you know, he was just passed for third all time on the points. And I just came from therapy. And I had two people texting me. One said, are you okay? And I said, yeah, I was a little drunk last night. And another person saying, wow, Kobe Bryant... And then you see the news and your heart sinks. And then we're all just waiting on the news of, unfortunately, came one of his daughters was on a plane and there were other casualties. And that's heart-wrenching on every level, no matter what. But the reason I bring that up now is because of Mayor Pete. And I think these two things need to be said because I don't feel like I've been saying this. One thing I did say partially on Facebook, but... This is where voices don't get heard anymore. And it's not my voice that isn't getting heard. It's a lot of voices. So it starts off innocuously. Kobe Bryant, you know, is brought up at a Mayor Pete town hall to say, well, how do you feel about Kobe Bryant's contributions? Mayor Pete has admittedly said he's not a sports fan. But he he said the contributions he made on and off the field were legendary and amazing. That's kind of funny because... Brought to mind the uh, Ted Cruz basketball ring comment. Yeah, it's like, that doesn't work because they play on a basketball court. That's where Mayor Pete loses me because that's disingenuous. You don't even know what you're talking about. You could have just said, honestly, I don't know sports, but I know he was an iconic figure for the sport he was in. Then Mayor Pete kind of... Bounded on it later, though, another person had asked him, and I believe there was a different quote about him, like Kobe, and he said specifically more like, you know, just what he inspired and how good of a person he was. And, you know, I don't think he used the words, we need more Kobe's in the world, but it was kind of like something like that. Here's the problem I read the transcript of 2003. I don't know how we got to where we did. The accounts of what Kobe Bryant did is not a sexual assault. If you read the transcripts, and I will not go into graphic detail, but if you read the transcripts, it's brutal rape. And if you read Kobe Bryant's conversations with investigators, he is not only not taking it seriously, he is nonchalantly asking, how much do I have to pay to make this go away so my wife doesn't find out? He references another woman named Michelle that he sleeps with sometimes. He's more concerned about the idea that he's having affairs than even the allegations against him. Let's flash forward to 2011. Kobe Bryant's in the league. He's changed a lot. 
maybe he's grown as a person. He's reformed. At the time I was in high school, so maybe I, I you know what? No, I'll just say I laughed at it at the time. But now it, it fills me with disgust, and I'll even explain a little bit why. And this will be a kind of deep thing for me, but Kobe Bryant, to get the attention of a ref in 2011 while he was on the bench after a bad call, says, Hey. Hey. Hey, fucking... And I will not say the next word. It starts with an F. It ends with a T. I think you know what word I'm saying. And when I went to go look up that incident too, knowing that Mayor Pete is a homosexual and disingenuously says that this is a great person, I find an article about how Kobe Bryant is now this huge ally to the LGBT community because of something he stood up for. This was in 2015. 2015... A fan said, come on, Kobe, even you said that F word. He said, yeah, man, it wasn't cool when I said it, too. I grew. That was it. That's good. But that's all it was. He never really apologized. There was quotes that said, I'm sorry, heat of the moment. There were tweets. 2015, Rondo did the same thing. He did it to an open or non-openly gay ref, but it was an open secret that the ref was gay. It essentially outed him. Rondo said he did not know the ref was gay, but it seemed very much like a lie. I'm not here to even talk about Rajon Rondo because nobody's arguing that's a good person. Um, And his tweets were very much key to the moment of the game. Last week, Marcus Morris playing in a game gets really chippy. What does he say about his opponents? They're really woman-like in the way they act. Yeah, he was talking about Jay Crowder and basically said he's soft because he's a woman. Yeah. What does his tweets look like? I looked at the comparison of Kobe's tweets from 2011 and Marcus Morris's tweets from before, and it was just... They were the same tweet. And then that's where it gets really hard for me because we're talking about two sides of hurt. The people that are hurt because Kobe did do a lot for the NBA. And then he did do a lot of other good things, but Kobe Bryant was never a good person to me, not even to his teammates. And I know I could be saying the most cynical thing by saying he went after that Oscar just to get an Oscar because he wanted one, but that very much felt like Kobe to me. But what I realized that really struck me was that even though in 2011 I laughed at that joke, when I was in college, 2015, graduating, I remember I used to walk down this street, Cleveland Avenue, and multiple times, teenagers you know, from the local high school would yell at me. If they ever said, hey, dipshit, hey, asshole, I would laugh it off. If they said that word, something in me would get so angry that I would almost throw my phone through their back window. And I always make this joke. If if you throw your phone, you must be really mad. Because everybody loves their phone. Yeah. And I'm just going to admit it now. Finally on Neurotica. Um, I have a past of doing some homosexual activities from my younger days. And I consider myself heteroflexible. And I realized that that word doesn't feel too good to me either. 
and I got called it a couple times, and I've been called it a lot in my life. And I've been called sensitive, and I've been called a girl. I challenged my own gender identity because of my sexuality, because of my labels. But I'm not transgender. I'm not bisexual. I feel like a male. I am a man, but nobody ever listened when I talked. No one was there. And I kept getting labeled and I kept fighting back. And now I'm angry as hell because there are other people out there who are going to do the exact same thing I did. And I couldn't handle it when I saw for Black History Month, somebody on my Facebook, a teacher decided... She was going to decorate her door at Kobe Bryant because she couldn't think of a better legendary man to teach her kids about. And those kids might one day go, yeah, Kobe was legendary. And they might Google and try to learn more about him. And they might find that same transcript that I did. And I almost puked reading it. It's disgusting. Even if you think what I'm doing is performative, you can't read it and not have a reaction. It doesn't feel good. I don't know if maybe I got the version of the article that just hated Kobe the most to make it sound the worst. But even the ESPN post of his death, where we all, I mean, somebody this week that I talked to called it a sexual assault. People have called her a money grubber. People have said, well, she was a slut. The, the whole thing was the media was dragging her out. They, they were trying to prove, the lawyers were trying to put out information that she was sleeping with multiple people. She agreed to not take any hush money if he just released a statement saying he did it. And the one quote that ESPN used was just the part where he says, it was an act that I thought was consensual that I understand now is not consensual and I'm sorry for the pain I have caused. If you read the whole timeline and you read that whole apology, you will not feel the same way about that man. I'm sorry. And what he did later and just the whole body of work, I'm sorry, he's just not a good person. And then Mayor Pete, for you to be a running for presidential candidate and you even try to bullshit us like that for something that runs deep after I just had to hear how, you know, Bernie Sanders is the worst person ever for going on Joe Rogan who had transphobic, you know, beliefs. And Joe Rogan does fucking suck. And I've admitted that was a bad idea and Bernie shouldn't have went. But I think him going on was fine. Everyone was trying to go on. I My issue is with him, like... Touting trumpeting it? the endorsement yeah man. but on the flip side liz went on charlemagne the gods show um back in november i think it, pete did too well that's the thing charlemagne or i i think i'm getting the times because i think pete went in november uh liz went back in the summer the reason i know that is because i'm talking about the controversies page under charlemagne the god feel free to go there the big controversy is in 2017, he had on the comedian Lil Duval who said, if I sleep with somebody and they tell me they're transgender, I have the right to kill them. 
And Charlemagne the God did not agree to that extent, but said some very anti-trans things as well. Liz Warren went on the show, and Charlemagne the God attacked her for her Native American claims, which honestly she should be somewhat attacked for, but that's not a good faith interview. Mayor Pete goes on, and then there's a video that comes out where the words endorsement are never said, but the Pete logo is played at the end where Charlemagne the God saying, Mayor Pete is for black people. He's not blowing smoke up our ass. Like he's, he's a great guy. He's real good. You know, he's ours. Like, and nobody says Pete, he, he, he just had anti-trans views two years ago. Like that's part of your community, but he doesn't care because Mayor Pete just needs to win. And I don't know what his policies are. I don't know what problems he's trying to solve still. I don't think he knows the American people. I don't think the wine cave thing should be overlooked. I don't think his just nature of just deflecting anything that is any kind of criticism with a, like, he looks like the animated Grinch, but it's some kind of like elfish smile or whatever. I don't like the man because I haven't seen an honest thing from him. And there my is nothing, voice is not... There's, there's nothing honest about him. He's a walking resume. Like we said before, he's put together by an algorithm. Every every single moment of his life has been driven by the ambition to become president of the United States. And that doesn't leave any room for morals or ethics or stances. That leaves, I need to go to Harvard. I need to join the military so that I can literally put it on a resume. I need to work with McGinsey and fix bread prices because it looks good on a resume and it sounds impressive and people have heard of it even if they don't know what it does like basically he's against medicare for all um we've talked about how he's in favor of like a service program, service program into again because i am so still like what the fuck is that for right but what is that just like national unity basically, i think joe biden's uniting the party right now as we speak uh that's what his sign said basically he's just like a typical center right guy and people are impressed by him because he went to harvard and speaks seven languages none of which translates to being a good president like there's no reason that any of that means that you're a good president and he's only been a mayor so if you're using the argument that joe biden who forced a the black fire chief of his fire department to step down in favor of a white guy who had half the guy's experience uh and who what was the other controversy i think the South Bend police um, shot an unarmed black guy and Pete talked to the police union before talking to like the family oh, or the protesters yeah, about it. Yeah, Pete's a little fucking rat think piece of shit. But that's the thing, though, is we're going to get labeled as Bernie bros. And uh, we, I'm, we're, we're the hateful ones and all the Pete ones are the ones smiling. But like, I actually I don't give a shit about that at all. I don't <laughs> either because I can't smile anymore. I went from fucking, I didn't go homeless to Harvard. I went Medicaid to J.P. Morgan. It's not the biggest fucking jump in the world, especially when you live in Delaware and you're white and you get those kind of breaks because you went to University of Delaware and that's where they mainly recruit from. You get the point I'm saying is that I've been through some shit. I've had some privileges. I've had some breaks. I am fine in terms of paper. If you look at me on paper, everything's going great. If you look inside of my brain, 
not the mental health issues, just the literal empathy of just even like I was talking to a Liz supporter today and you know what? I could still probably stomach voting for Liz, but I'm not voting for Biden or Pete. Yeah. Especially if we're doing this dumb shit of electability where Biden's so electable because he's got the experience and Pete's so electable because he's got the smile. That's, you could fuck off. Mayor Pete and Beto O'Rourke are the same person to me and Beto just fell out at the wrong time and Pete filled his hole and I did not need that in any kind of pun way. But um, I'm just saying that like we were literally not hearing about this Mayor Pete guy. He comes out of nowhere. He's getting people excited but I just look at this field of people and I just want to say my voice finally and say, I'm not afraid to help my neighbor. And I think it's selfish if you don't. And I think it's stupid that I got upset that Jamie Dimon had throat cancer because he had great health care. He cured it. But when I, on the JP Morgan, just like middle plan or whatever, like, that I thought I could pick because I was 23 and like healthy enough random stomach pain in the middle of the night. I hit the floor for the first time in my life in pain. Yeah. I stumble to a pen emergency room just so I don't have to call an ambulance. I walk in at four to 5 AM in the morning. It's dead as hell. The guy working the desk didn't even like listen. The first time I said my information through my pain. I think we talked about this. Yeah. But like, I paid almost $3,000. I thought I did it, right? Dude, JP Morgan. I fucking, I got to the big bank. Jamie Dimon's bonus this year is $31.5 million. You want to know what my four years of my degree was that I incurred all that debt? It was them explaining to me for four fucking years the financial crisis. I'm not kidding. We read... Full textbooks on the financial crisis. And every single one, you could go watch the big short if you want the shortened version, but every single one said, our insurance backers and our banks knew what they were doing and they did not care because they thought somebody else was going to catch it. And when they say, when I say somebody else was going to catch it, I mean, they thought that just somebody was going to get fucked. They didn't know when or how, but it wasn't going to be them. And you know what? The person who knew it best was Jamie Dimon because he put money aside for fines that he knew were coming. And then when they got the TARP payments, a.k.a. the bailouts, he later in a congressional meeting got very chippy and joking with a a congressional person who said, well, when we sent TARP to J.P. Morgan, he said, excuse me, I was a force to take that TARP money. Um, If you remember correctly, I said uh, our bank is doing fine and doesn't need it. Why don't you give it to one of the other banks? Millions of people lost their homes. And I get told that the hundreds of thousands of dollars that I just incurred to learn that the man that I now work for caused, I could at any point fall to the floor and it wipes out my savings. I thought I'd worked hard. I had nothing. I didn't have Silver Spoon. I I was rags to riches. Wasn't I, right? I had nothing. I had no parent background. Like, back up, I mean. Like, my mom died when I was 16. My dad didn't have a dollar in his name. I was able to take out a loan while he was in prison under his name. And you know what? 
He doesn't have that loan anymore. You want to know why? Because he's on disability and they canceled it for him already. So there is student loan forgiveness. But it's not for us. Not the people that are predatory. The people that gave us these loans. These people who... You want to talk about a voice? Well, you know what? I was 17 years old and every single parent, every single counselor, every single person I ran into said, you better go to college. And they directed me to this website called FAFSA. And my father does not know how to use any technology. And I filled it out completely accurately with his information. But I did it at 17 years old. And thankfully, I went to University of Delaware as a Delaware resident. Cheaper for me. But teens around the country are getting authorized for up to four years worth of over $100,000 worth of debt. Now, you apply every year, so if anybody wants to fact check me on that and be like, hey, man, it's not like that, you can cut out. But even taking $20,000 after one year of college is not a great trade-off because it doesn't do dick for you in the real world to have one year of college. And $20,000 of debt, not cool in any scenario. So where is my voice now when I say, what the fuck? This, you guys fucked me. You're the government. And you know what? Here's the funniest part. I have enough money in my 401k to pay off my student loans. What's the difference? 401k is pre-tax. I can pay into it. My student loans, even though the government matched me with a loan provider, it's not a government loan even though they kind of say it was a government loan, this is a private provider. So they taxed me and then I pay the provider and then they give me a modest tax break, but I can't have a tax break to just even pay off my loans like or like just tax-free pay off my loans. And then everybody's saying, well, you guys want a handout. No, I don't want a handout, but you don't even understand how many great things that I would fucking start doing if I didn't have my payment. And my payment right now is only 224. It's on a graduated schedule. It will tap out at 400. Bobby, how much do you pay for your student loans every single month going to Penn State after being born in Pennsylvania? A thousand dollars. A thousand dollars. I can't even fathom it because I was from Delaware and that's, you know, we got the good deal. Well, Penn State is not like fully a state school. So it's True. not like Westchester or Temple. But, so. but like it, even that caveat is just so confusing. Penn State is not fully a state school. Yeah, it's really stupid. Yep. And I mean, I also take a lot of the blame because I took five years to go there. So um, I like understand why that is on me, but it would still be nice to not have to do it. And, you know, rich people are allowed to vote Republican and they can mask the reasons why they think they shouldn't be taxed that much and as much economic jargon as they want and yeah. i mean the reality the, the entire media that reports on financials is gonna go with them on that but they can vote for their own interests so like maybe i do want a handout what if i want a fucking handout yeah well maybe maybe then it's fine that i vote for the fucking guy that's gonna give me one well what is what is so fucking wrong with that I want to talk, though. Also, remember how you said that you were going to try to stop uh, rambling for so long? And I know, you but you just that... talked for 25 straight minutes? Was it 25? <laughs> I don't know how long that it was. One was, was long. That one felt important, though. <laughs> I think I needed that one. But um, 
No, I definitely want to give it back to you, but um, I do want to ask, because the caucus last night, there was a point where Joe Biden said, we have to rebuild the middle class, but even Bernie Sanders said, we have to rebuild the middle class, which is upsetting to me that Bernie Sanders said that, because it's the lower class we need to help, because in terms of even Trump's tax break, I think the threshold to be middle class as even just a single person was like $75,000 a year. So, if you make less than $75,000 a year, congratulations from Neurotica. You are considered lower class. I don't think that Bernie is necessarily no. going by Trump's definition. No, I don't think class. so either. But I think that's the whole point, though, is you're told, well, you're middle class. You're the hardworking Americans. But those people over there are not the hardworking Americans. And those people over there also think they're the middle class. And we're all pointing fingers at each other. And we're told it's the immigrants' fault. Get mad at them. Oh, it's the millennials' fault. Get mad at them. They're lazy. Oh, it's that person's fault. All these narratives. Now, if I put out some statistics, it's called fake news. That's if I can access the statistics because some of the news is behind a paywall now. I have to pay to get the news. That was always the case, to be fair. I know, but I have to pay for it in a way that, like, is actually, like, I have to subscribe. And then if I get there, I can't trust if it's accurate or not, apparently, based on what our president first said. And now seems to, again, the labeling effect that seems to have taken a hold of CNN has lost their goddamn mind and thinks Andrew Yang is, like, a volunteer for other candidates or something. Because last night, they panned over to Andrew Yang's section. The camera feed went blurry. They panned back, it was perfectly fine, and I didn't hear Andrew Yang's name for the rest of the night unless they were just pointing out that he wasn't viable. Like, they don't like him. I, I People were pointing that out to me. I'm not a Yang supporter, so I didn't even... But, dude, they d- did not mention Andrew Yang much at all last night. And that dude has been all over Iowa. And I know he didn't really have, like, good numbers, but, like, he was beating Klobuchar in some districts, but his name wasn't coming up. But the reason why I wanted to just say that is because I want you to pull up something now that I asked you to do, uh, the dramatic reading um, that we're going to be doing. Um, So Bobby's going to pull this up because this actually comes from a different podcast that is a little bit more political and we don't want to steal from them. So we will attribute them completely. I'll let Bobby do it because he's the one who actually listens to it. And they're another group of people that kind of get labeled as the scumbag left. Dirtbag left. Dirtbag left now. But I remember even hearing scumbag left. So we're talking about Chapo Trap House. And people legitimately hate these guys and think, you know, they're complete pieces of shit. They're just these socialist, like, comedy idiots. Like, and... I think they rock. (laughs) Well, Bobby thinks they rock. I just don't listen to them. But what I have listened to has actually been very insightful to me. But Bobby was even saying... They're best when they're not even being funny. So I really needed him to read this tonight because it captured exactly why I wanted to do this episode about not having a voice because he finally said it. And then I'm going to reference one last thing in our plugs to make people really watch it. But uh, Bobby, I'm, I'm going to give you the floor and stop rambling for 25 minutes. <laughs> All right. Um, so this was Matt Chrisman from Chavo Trap House at their... Uh, Iowa live show that they did on Sunday night, the night before the caucuses. And as they closed the show out, each of them gave a fairly long statement just about what it means to be 
a part of this movement that's trying to sweep actual progressive change first into the Democratic Party and then into the White House and beyond. And what Matt said is one of the things that I'm sure you all know in your bones and that we've certainly talked about a lot on our show is just how shitty it feels to be alive right now. We all have stuff. We're not in the worst physical circumstances, but everything just feels hollow and cynical and empty. And I really do think that one of the big reasons for that is because we all know deep down inside that there is something wrong with this country, with this world, with this fucking social order. We know deep down that no human society should be ordered this way. If good people of good faith, like the people you know in your lives, got together to create a society, they wouldn't make this one. But that knowledge sits right next to the messages we get every fucking day from our parents, from our fucking bosses, from the media. That this devil's bargain that we've struck, where you get creature comforts and you get convenience in exchange for precarity and alienation and fucking despair and steady erosion of the fucking living environment that we need to survive, is some sort of choice that we've all made. That we've all opted for this option. We all opted for the 30 brands of toothpaste that Bernie talked about when he was debating Hillary in 2016. But we know in our hearts that that's not fucking true. We know that we never asked for this. We never wanted this. But the problem is that we're all fucking powerless against it. As an individual, what are you supposed to do against these massive world-spanning powers that determine the world that you live in? And so you're left in this position of being hyper-aware of the awfulness and of the rot of the world around you, coupled with a complete and hyper-specific knowledge of your own inability to do anything about it. And what that does over time is that it starts eating away at you. And it honestly, I'm speaking for myself anyway, makes you start to hate yourself a little bit. You hate yourself for how fucking powerless you are. And more importantly, even worse and more insidious than that, you start to feel complicit in your own misery. You start to feel complicit in the misery of others. You start to blame yourself because why aren't you doing anything? But what's to be done? In this campaign, the Bernie Sanders campaign, I swear to God, guys, this is the first movement that any of us have seen in our living lives that is the promise of bringing a critical mass of people to that realization that they aren't alone. That there's such a thing as a common dream of a more humane world that we can fucking make. But it's because, yes, none of us by ourselves can do anything. That's what they tell you every day to keep you where you are. But what the Bernie campaign is telling you, and what we're all telling ourselves, what we're all telling each other, and what all you fucking canvassers are saying, what people are saying at dinner tables, what people are talking about, what people are saying more and more, they're saying it more and more, folks, (laughs) is that all of us together can do anything. And I, I... Reference I was going to say in plugs, but, you know, I think it would actually be a good time to now say it. It's the thing that moved me the most. I was already fully Bernie at this point, but, you know, it was the the nail in the coffin that I live and die by Bernie Sanders. And he had one of my favorite rappers, Killer Mike, but I don't always agree with Killer Mike. Killer Mike's had some anti-vax galaxy brain things, but Killer Mike has been kind of with Bernie since, you know his first uh, run versus Hillary. I don't think necessarily was there in 2008, but killer Mike, you know, felt that Bernie, you know, cared about his community, but he, he does this quote and um, basically there's a, it's an ad video, but it looks like it's a pandering ad video to the African American community start. Like, honestly, like if you want to be cynical, that's what it looks like. Like that Trump commercial from the Super Bowl. Yeah. Which that absolutely was. Um, But I'm going to try to, quote as best i can killer mike but i will probably paraphrase here but i'm going to stop at a certain point and i'm going to stop at the point that made me cry and it's probably going to make me cry again because it's going to make people understand some things that are going to sound weird but make a lot of sense killer mike got on that stage and said 
the great author, and I believe he said James Baldwin said, you made me wait. You asked my brother to wait. You asked my father to wait. You asked my uncle to wait. You asked my grandfather to wait. And I asked, how long must I wait for justice, for civil rights? So that quote I'm probably butchering is basically saying, you know, a black man saying, how long do we wait until we get equality? And Killer Mike then says, and as a black child, that resonated with me because I had seen I had been denied. But as I grew, I learned not only have black people been denied, poor white people have been denied. That was me. That was the group that I was in. And I understand my privilege is why I was able to climb out. But nobody was ever talking about me either. And then he went on to say, you know, like, whether you're Christian, Muslim, gay, straight, you know, man, woman, and he could have kept going on probably with, because Bernie wants everybody. That meant something to me, not me, us, because there was a lot of times when they said, not you, kid. I lived my life mostly alone. I, I applied for Medicaid in that office by myself. And I said, what would I have to do to get food stamps? Because I used to have it on my dad. You guys made a clerical error. We used to have $350. We have $200 a month now. What do I have to do so I can get it? And she says, you need to work 20 hours a week at a part-time job. And I said, oh, I do that through work study, actually, or I'm close to it. What would I have to do? She says, um, you would need a pay stub, but technically that's part of your tuition plan, so that's uneligible. Sick. So, I mean, that's part of part of the appeal for Bernie, um, and also part of what has drawn him re- relatively rightful criticism is that when people have said that he's um, on race, he's not he doesn't have like a great ear or like he can't, he doesn't speak to race. Racial, yeah. He just racial, doesn't push that really. Yeah. yeah. Like, but he doesn't speak to racial issues that well is I guess the best way that I can put it right now, but it's because he speaks to like class-based issues. Like what exactly what you just said, killer Mike said about him. Um, well, he's not. And I mean, you can have your issues with that um, or you can, see it as trying to push one sort of solidarity um, that everyone can be a part of. I, I, do, I, I'm i not going to tell you how to feel on that necessarily, I do personally but I see why it resonates. That, yeah. I do personally believe that a lot of what Bernie Sanders is standing for is so proven to be, you know, like restructuring the system that has oppressed mostly minorities. Me being poor white, I was happy to hear killer might include me but i am not the one you need to worry about and that's the point of today's episode is i'm not worried about myself on paper but everything that bobby just read in that quote i feel that i wrote the same post of shame about my salary i don't make six figures i probably will never make six figures because i'm probably gonna lose my mind before they promote me that high well, part of part of why you maybe heard me getting emotional when I was reading that, and part of why I got a little emotional today when I listened to it, was that I said in this 
earlier in this episode that I said the same thing to my friends that um, people feel so atomized and they feel so powerless as Cody and I have said because the individual contributions that they make aren't enough to change the world or aren't even perceptible to exist outside of those who see you doing them and feeling as though what you do matters because it's a part of a larger whole i mean that's that's what society civilization religion team sports that's what all of that is about the fact that I'm not a part of the Sixers and I'm not Joel Embiid, the star who it orbits around with the 28% usage rate. Doesn't mean that I'm not like a, it's, it's a different team and he's has a different like role, but like everything is about feeling connected to other people and like what you do matters and what you do is helps not only you but other people. And what other people do helps not only themselves but you. And my favorite quote of what you read was, if we all got together as a society, you think we would have come up with this? Like today. Like if we all just came together today and said, start from scratch. Everybody wipe your brain. Uh, honestly, your... if we did it today, we might because people have had well, but I mean, the like, message driven into their minds. I'm saying drive away like all the messages, though, that we're just like, but you're still the same person to your core, but like you don't know the context. We I know you write things with you know that circumvent slavery. Like I mean, because we don't have slavery anymore. But reality is, a lot of things we wrote, and then we had to amend that. Like that's an that shouldn't be an amendment. That should just be like a yeah. That should be like the, the rule. F- not should literally the, like, be the first amendment. Uh, yeah. <laughs> No, it shouldn't be an amendment. It should just be a rule. Well, the first amendment was concurrent with the Constitution. No, but I'm just saying, like, that should be the natural state of things. Uh, I shouldn't have to tell you no slavery. That's true. (laughs) Via law. But apparently we we not only had to tell them via law, we had to amend a different law that was already telling them it was okay. And that's where it's like, okay, I get it. Trump's awful. We need to beat Trump. But when do you stop? Because how many Trumps are we going to get from the right if the left just keeps not voting for values? They just vote for wins. And they're not particularly strong at getting wins. They're, they're not showing it. Their record is not coming out strong. Donald Trump had no business winning. It, it, it's an anomaly in a, so many different ways that you can argue, yeah, maybe he was just so honest, but Hillary ran the worst campaign. She just did. There, we can all dissect it now and see it. It's bad. She really fucked up. The deplorables line alone, that might have undone her. That was really stupid. Because that probably pushed all those fence people, the ones that felt like us. And that's what I really want to talk about right now. Is that I do honestly believe that there's going to be a lot of people that voted for Trump in 2016 that would happily vote for Bernie Sanders in 2020 because they're looking at a different message now and seeing they thought that Donald Trump was voting, was fighting for them on a selfish level. But now, well, they, more importantly, they knew that Hillary wasn't. 
Yeah, and Hillary, I would hear, she's a bad person. I would never vote for her. I, I'd hear even Democratic people say, I'm not going to vote for Trump, but I'll never vote for Hillary. She's a horrible person, and I know it. And I'd be like, wow, that's sexist. And then I looked back later, and I was like, wow, I really was misinformed. I mean, like, I'm sure there was some of it there. But... Yeah, I, I mean, my family definitely. <laughs> There's plenty of reasons besides that. But, you know, it's just the helplessness isn't just politics or sports. It's it's Sometimes it's everyday life. Sometimes it's your job. Sometimes it's you need to make a mental health podcast because your mental health. And sometimes it's you're rambling for 25 minutes and you're not really saying anything. And that's not productive either. And you feel bad because your friend Bobby doesn't get to say something more productive. <laughs> That's the point we're trying to make today is that not having your voice heard is really one of the biggest hurts that we're going through right now. Not just as millennials or whatever. It's just or whatever this society is. It's just we just want to be heard. And if we see one more time that we were the popular vote and we don't get the result. I don't think I can handle it. I just, just don't think I can. I don't think I can support a party that does that to me. If it's the DNC and then America. No, I mean, this is either the end of the DNC as we know it, and it'll be taken over by Bernie Sanders and his nascent wing of the party. Uh, and that'll be good. Or they'll rat fuck him and chaos. Yeah. Anyway, let's go to plugs. Um, I really don't know what's going to happen next, but we are going a little long here and we could probably talk about <laughs> how sad we are all night long. But um, let's get the plugs. Bobby, what would you like to plug? I don't have anything to plug. <laughs> I feel like you did, but I forgot it already. Um, I would like to plug that I have officially hit twitch affiliate let's go i would like to thank everybody who watched my twitch i cannot thank people enough this is amazing just to think that anybody cared enough um to send me a sticker for a shirt i designed or watched a video game i played like those things to me is it's not about making money it's just like i need attention um i'm also yeah, plugging... i mean that's exactly what we've been talking about the whole time is feeling yeah. like your voice is heard and you're like validated yeah and that's what i would like to also announce that if um bernie sanders is rat fucked by the dnc um in 2020 i will be running for senator uh under a third party called the we the people party against pat toomey um i probably will end up helping the democrat win but I'm literally just going to troll Pat Toomey the whole time as much as they allow me. But I'll run a legitimate campaign and I will study AOC and I will try to do everything by the book so they take me seriously enough until I can embarrass that man directly in front of his family. That's probably easy to do. Yeah. Anyway, um, thank you for listening to Neurotica. We definitely have some more fun coming in the future. We definitely hope to get back on the schedule, but we definitely want to hear your stories too. So if you have a story and you want to get out to the world, contact us on Twitter. If you know Bobby, you know me, or if you just want to say, hey, can you tell my story? I can't say it. Maybe even just send us the words that you want us to say. So let us hear your voice because that's what we want to hear. And we're always open for that. So thank you for listening to Erotica. Uh, I've been Cody. You've been great. Vote Bobby, for Bernie. Vote for Bernie. <laughs>